Ahoy there, shipmates! This is Captain Trash from the Port Phillip Echo Center in St. Kilder. Did you ever hear the crow in the sky going, Ah! 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 That stands for reuse, reuse, recycle. And you heard it first on 3CR. And welcome to The Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, broadcasting out of the 3CR studios in Smith Street, Collingwood. I think we're up to about show 421. So, uh, yeah, great to have you on board as we shine the light on the powers of Monopoly, how they have distorted the tax system so that those of us who work are penalised, whereas those who buy and sell the earth are rewarded with all sorts of incentives, such as our very existence. Yes, that is right. Just the fact of a vibrant community delivers incredible gains to those who own the prime locations in that community. And it's that natural uplift in land prices that we are primarily concerned with and it hit me uh, this week seeing the feed for uh, uh, one such Facebook uh, group and it was ranting on about uh, the $85 billion arms industry, the world's biggest industry, $85 billion. And uh, it got me thinking to the fact that Australian land values increased. No, this is just Australia. They increased by $525 billion last year. So imagine what the other 205 nations and their land values, their land prices, how much they increased by last year. Put that all together and it absolutely dwarfs the arms industry. You can throw the banking industry, you can throw all manner of industries in there and This story we talk about here on The Renegade Economist, that those who own the earth have an incredible advantage over anyone trying to run a business or earn a wage. They just pale in significance. So uh, I must bring to your attention that this time next week, Wednesday, December the 9th, we are launching our eighth speculative vacancies report. Tagline, the empty properties ignored by statistics. So yes, please get on down to our new premises at Level 1, 64 Harcourt Street, North Melbourne. That's Level 1, 64 Harcourt Street, North Melbourne, 6.30pm start. You'll be able to find the event RSVP on today's show notes on earthsharing.org.au. But as you're about to hear, there's going to be quite a bit referenced from uh, our parent group, Prosper Australia and prosper.org.au. So uh, I've just hammered out the latest e-news that uh, promotes some of these things we're talking about. Uh, You can always subscribe to that on the earthsharing.org.au website as well. So uh, the big news for us uh, released yesterday, according to RP Data, the housing price data for November saw Sydney housing prices down. 1.4% and Melbourne a significant 3.5%. Now Hobart, Brisbane and Darwin also suffered falls and uh, this is something that uh, we have to question now. What are we going to see in the media cycle uh, as 
we suspect this trend will grow. The clearance rates have fallen from, in Sydney, 80% plus uh, down to uh, barely 53% at the moment. So they have really plummeted. So clearance rates are usually a couple of months before significant house price falls. In Melbourne, the clearance rates have fallen from perhaps the mid-70s to uh, less drastic, but around about 62 63% sort of uh, uh, levels uh, for the last month or so. So uh, things are mounting up quickly. You've heard me talk about uh, the need for affordable housing here on The Renegade Economist over the last eight years in that rent is, in effect, a secret tax the wealthy can charge the poor. The more we pay on somewhere to live, the less we have to invest in our local community, in our favoured food types, in our favoured entertainment groupings. The more resourceful we have to become, and in a way that's been good for many communities, being uh, encouraged to connect back with the land, to, to join their local community garden, to grow their own food. But uh, as uh, I keep reiterating, any of those sort of savings, uh, such as what you can grow on your own land, what you can um, sell on eBay, all those sort of sharing economy type uh, uh, buzz vibes, really that means you will have uh, extra savings, you will have an extra capacity to uh, bid for uh, that prime location you're dying to live in. So guess who really wins? The landowners. So uh, I just about smashed my screen yesterday when uh, just hours before this price, this housing price fall was announced, I saw on Twitter that uh, you know it was almost on cue that just as housing supply is set to assist affordable housing, calls to increase our immigration rate began with one of Australia's wealthiest developers Harry Triggerboff and he said I tell you what worries me if we don't increase migration many councils around the country are approving too many apartments I believe that the country's future depends on achieving growth which requires building accommodation we are an empty continent so here we have Harry Triggerboff who uh, spent a decade lobbying for these housing supply constraints to be lifted under the pretense that this is what will guarantee affordability. And then, of course, uh, just when, after you know, 23 years of uh, near-on-record economic growth levels uh, uh, that have driven this huge inequality gap between those who do own a tiny portion of the earth and the rest of us who are locked out, well, uh, he's saying, no, that's not good enough. Uh, let's, let's bring in some more people because uh, he, of all people, understands uh, the basic economic tenet that uh, more people on a fixed land mass will increase the price of land. So uh, isn't that slightly ironic that uh, they can turn the, twist, turn the tables on us like this? And it's the similar sort of... Uh, conceptual backflips that goes on when it comes to uh, land supply and housing supply. Well, there's no housing, there's no supply. 
But then when we present them with seven years of strong data on speculative vacancies using our innovative water consumption measure, where we look for abnormally low levels of water consumption, when we look at that and uh, can show that there's somewhere around about uh, at least double what we think in in, uh, vacancies, they say, well... We don't trust it. We don't. We don't. We're not looking at this. They look the other way. So, uh, unfortunately, when these downturns occur, and what Triggerboff's really worried about is that all of these sm- small mum and dad uh, investors who have been roped in by property spruikers, promising uh, you know fifty, sixty thousand dollar capital gains. Well, now perhaps that uh, councils have approved so many apartments. And uh, basically, the whole national economy is based around housing construction rather than car manufacturing, rather than uh, uh, the, off the back of the sheep or uh, our wheat production. And now iron ore in the mining industry is going down the gurgler. Well, uh, housing construction has been one of the few bright spots for our employment growth. So uh, we've been watching how housing supply construction rates here in Melbourne have been wound back over the last year. I think they're down some 15%. And I've been questioning that, saying, well, come on, we've had the most aggressive land rezoning agenda in the nation's history here in Victoria. And uh, developers uh, have the cheek to pull back supply right when people are really uh, screaming for somewhere to live. And, of course, that is the real estate for ransom type mentality that uh, prevails. And that's why I encourage you, if you haven't seen it already, it's been nice to hear from a uh, film director from Sweden. Get in touch with me recently, Patrick, uh, who's also featured in the filmsforaction.com top 100 documentaries that will change the world. Yes, check it out. Real estate for ransoms. They're about number 22, I think. Well, uh, Patrick and I are going to uh, put our heads together and see uh, uh, what our future projects have in mind. So uh, there is all sorts of excitement happening in this field, and I just hope that uh, uh, our politicians listen to people like you guys out there been listening for seven, eight years. You know, if ever there was a time to write to your MP and congratulate them for the hope of affordable housing being delivered now is the time because Triggerbuff and their crew are going to call for more migration. They're going to call for an increased first homeowners grant. Uh, they're going to uh, keep hammering lower interest rates from the Reserve Bank. Anything to keep the great property Ponzi moving onwards. So it's uh, just one thing after another, isn't it, here uh, on the Renegade Economist's But uh, what else do we expect in uh, this era of lobbyocracy? Although when we come back in a second, I'm going to tell you about something that's uh, quite positive. And... Yeah, just uh, about a month ago, actually, uh, myself and our new Prosper Australia president, Catherine Cashmore, uh, presented to the Senate Select Committee into the scrutiny of government budget measures. My, oh, my, what a tongue full that was. But uh, it was fantastic to have uh, the Greens' Peter Wish-Wilson chairing a... uh, 
a session at uh, Victoria's Parliament House and we presented there on the various uh, different mechanisms for our favourite infrastructure financing mechanism called land value capture. So uh, hopefully you can read through those five different um, forms of value capture from uh, the basics of it, land value capture, through to special assessment districts and onwards. So uh, th- there's a little bit of complexity there, but um, I'm excited because just this afternoon, uh, a, a leading Melbourne journalist forwarded on to me a brand new media release this afternoon calling for a, a new standing committee. The Standing Committee on Infrastructure, Transport and Cities has launched an, inquir- an inquiry into increased transport connectivity and economic activity with a particular focus on value capture as a funding mechanism for infrastructure development. So this is important. It shows that the Turnbull administration is serious about moving forward and ensuring that the leakage from uh, these, you know, the, we always hear about these huge, huge infrastructure deficits. And for a while now, I've been calling these uh, a crude form of developer welfare. Well, it's great that the cat is out of the bag. And this afternoon, Michael Pascoe from Fairfax uh, has uh, built on a bit of a, a growing media trend this way. And his article is called The Excuse to Tax the Family Home for Which States Have Been Waiting. And he says, I can hear the chorus of state treasurers now. Sorry, voters, I didn't want to introduce a broad land tax, but that mean federal government made me do it. And he goes on to talk about an important speech by the Federal Minister for Major Projects, Paul Fletcher, has given fair notice that the Turnbull government will force the states and territories to capture the increased property values that follow improving infrastructure. And a good way to achieve value capture is via a broad, no exceptions land tax. Hence the excuse the states need to grow a spine and introduce the most obvious of the major tax reforms that the nation needs. And Ross Gittins, another, you know, the economics editor of, uh, of Fairfax, which covers the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age here in Melbourne, he also uh, wrote a passionate article uh, saying, look, why is all the, this talk about the GST? There should be more discussion of land taxes. So uh, it's just uh, fantastic to see more and more economists coming on board with uh, what is not only the most efficient but the fairest of all taxes. So uh, you, you've heard the the, the historical uh, references over the years from, goodness me, Albert Einstein, uh, Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie... Uh, Alfred Deakin here, all of the classics, Winston Churchill, of course, uh, supported not all of the classics, but so many classic thinkers uh, recognised that, uh, you know, this huge advantage of owning the earth should be rebalanced via the tax system. And in recent weeks, uh, we we interviewed Jason Murphy, who showed that incredible graph uh, detailing the proportion of uh, of business investment, small business investment to property investment, and it basically had fallen by, I think, some 95% over 
over the last uh, 20 odd years. So uh, a huge, huge drop off in small business. So so few of us now get to work in a operation where we're arm's length away from major decisions. And that sort of uh, inbuilt incentive of being involved with your company and seeing how it grows uh, has been uh, watered down to a cubicle in a telemarketing uh, operation, if you're lucky. So uh, there's a lot of concern out there. And, of course, the big graph of the year uh, that came out through Federal Treasury with their rethinks uh, paper showed that uh, uh, the marginal excess burden Basically, the, the, the loss to the economy of the GST was some 25% and, uh, the, you know, plus 25%, whereas land tax was a, uh, a 10% addition to the economy because it included incomes from foreigners, whereas GST basically taxed the domestic workforce and lets foreign investors off scot-free pretty well. So uh, when you add the compensation that New South Wales Premier Mike Baird is saying that, look, anyone earning under 150 k has to be com- compensated under GST, well, uh, goodness me, that sees some 60% of every dollar raised via the GST churned back to the public, to most of us, in some form of compensation. So all of that paperwork, all of that compliance is really a loss. And in the meantime, who knows, uh, the the government might be forced into introducing another extravagant first homeowners grant. I like to think that Malcolm Turnbull and Scott Morrison uh, won't go that far, but who knows what will happen. There's all sorts of things in place. So it's a very exciting time. And uh, if you've ever wanted to get involved uh, with our work, get get involved behind the scenes of this radio show, I implore you, now is the time. Uh, my, oh, my, we have so much work to do to really uh, kick this through. I wish we had a workforce of 15 people like so many other NGOs, but uh, there's three of us uh, holding it together and uh, a dedicated executive who meet monthly to help strategize our way forward. So uh, let's just step on into something that I experienced just a few weeks ago as I click on over here and try and figure out what's going on. Okay, I've just ridden home after a three-hour executive meeting and the vacant home I ride past for the last three, four years has burnt down. There are 10 fire trucks in my home street and I'm fuming because uh, a really nice neighbour to this vacant home has had his home burnt out, Ernie, one of the local elders. Yeah, so it's just tragic and I'm here talking to another neighbour. Lucy. Lucy. I've been in the street for 45 years. And we've spent the last three years complaining to the council, the police, um, and it's really sad uh, because a little while ago we had some squatters living in there, and they were okay, but uh, they left about two weeks ago, and, and now the house is burnt down. So, and it's really sad for Ernie. He's been here for over 20 years. Um, he's lost the whole house. The fire brigade was telling us, and um, yeah, it was just scary for everyone. My mum has I've finally calmed her down. She's just panicked like you wouldn't believe it which is fair enough. We were lucky 
Well, not lucky. Lucky for us, the wind was going that way, but not lucky for the people down the Hancock. Yeah, so there was gas bottles exploding and all... Yeah, he, has, he had a caravan that was beside the property of the house, on the same side as the house that was burning, and the gas bottles was the first two explosions, and then he had a couple under beside the house. So all up, there was probably about four or five bangs. Um, the electricity even started to spark. That was a bit scary because um, at that stage, the fire brigade made everyone get out the street and told, uh, told me and my mum to get in the house and close the doors and the windows. Um, but, yeah, so we knew this was going to happen. Uh, we, we, we blamed the council. Knew. We all knew I, it. I just, you blame the council. Yeah. Well, because the council, you know, they said to you, kept saying to us, you know, that they, they had issued, they were taking this guy to court. And I said, well, that's irrelevant to us because fuck, every time we come out the door, you know, look out the window, we see this house and the state of it and the trouble that was, you know, like you wouldn't believe it. Mum ended up having to put this fence up to stop, you know, people wandering in, but... Yeah, I mean, the council should have just bulldozed it and, and gave the property owner or the developer uh, a letter to tell him, you know, that they've pulled the house down. They shouldn't have waited to this point. Yeah, because uh, we've all been complaining about it. And everyone in the street, everyone's everyone. rang up. Yeah, and, um, and the problem is, uh, from our perspective, that the property speculator has been loving it because uh, the more we neaten up our properties, the more we improve, build this new Braybrook mm. library here, the whole new and oval. Also, the value of this property has mm. gone up by about 200k in the last three well, years. Well, see, the thing is that developer there, he shouldn't have been, I mean, he should be heavily penalised and he should be charged for the house, the cost of the house next door. It's a public housing, that yeah. one next door. So, you know, at the end of the day, the government's lost uh, a property. But at the same time, like I said, we've been complaining to the council, the police, um, anyone who wanted to listen. The mayor, he um, he got involved about eight months ago. He tried his darnest to do things for us. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty good uh, when the mayor got involved. But uh, yeah, they should have just stepped in there. And I think the council, they have this philosophy that you know they'll send someone to court, but they don't do anything physically about the house. So even if they went to court, well, I mean, the guy was going to end up getting a fine. I mean, it, it still didn't make the house get pulled down. So, I and the should... ironic thing is, not only has he made two hundred grand, not only has That's... he cost the state a house, mm. um, he's cost the state about ten grand in fire truck equipment tonight, and all the fireys have come, ambulance. And Ernie of... was um, apparently he was asleep, and another neighbour pulled him out. So there could have oh, been a, lo- a life shit. lost. Um, the fire brigade at the moment, they're waiting to they can make sure that no one's in the house. So, um, uh, And the property owner gets a free demolition out of this. Well, apparently the two owners, they're plumbers, they're brothers or something. And, um, well, yeah, he should foot the bill. I mean, honestly, someone's got to pay for all this. Mm. So, you know, there isn't a lot of public housings in, in Braybrook and uh, he's lost his house. Such a well-maintained house too, and he had there the neighbour. It's just tragic. Yeah, it's just, it's just unbelievable that the council should have stepped in more. The state government could have even stepped in more. I mean, they they talk about the fire risk coming up with the warm weather, and they tell everyone to trim back your trees, and yet we had this this fire risk just over here, and uh, they could do what they want. So that's the other thing that's annoying. You know, they, they go around... I mean, I've got a couple of neighbours that have been fined for not cutting their grass, you know, because it's grown over a certain amount of centimetres. 
And yet this thing was allowed to sit there. Yeah. And I'm, one thing I'm glad it was tonight and not the other day when it was 35 degrees, mate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was only a couple of days ago when we had that warm weather. So... These, I mean, it just makes me so annoyed that the these plumbers, um, whatever problem, that why they're being there, so lazy is, is the key worth. issue. It's worth 600k. It's worth a million, mate. A it's million. got two streets, yeah. You can build four townhouses on there, sell each one for 450, mate. That's a go in all these townhouses. So you're looking at probably a million dollars because it's got the two streets. So you would have been able to get a whole heap of driveways in there. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so. and, that, and that's where the laziness comes. The more the lazy that they are, the more it goes up over time. When, and when the they owner pay turns nothing. up tomorrow, I hope the owner turns up tomorrow. I'm going to have a go at him. I want to know where he lives yeah. so I can go and, and see, what, tell him what it's like to live near a fire trap. Because that's what it was, a fire trap. Yeah. I know, and there were all sorts of people jumping in and out of there. You could feel you like they were homeless. Mate, they homeless were, before the, home, the When the couple moved in, they weren't too bad, the squatters. But before that, we had a bit of issue with young people from the high school coming in here and smoking and doing drugs in the roof. We had a young 12-year-old girl who was prostituting herself in there um, that lived from Mellon Street. Yeah, so we've had so much antisocial behaviour in that house, and this is the final thing that happened. So, yeah, so this house has had everything in it. You name it. Full stop. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. So there we have uh, uh, the effects of rampant vacant housing in my community of Braybrook. And, uh, yeah, there you go. I've been cycling past it for three or four years, taking photos, going, God almighty, this is so annoying, right in my face. And there was rubbish just chucked all over it. Whenever uh, they cleaned it, a few days later, there would just be, you know, people graffitied on it. This is the Braybrook tip, and they would just throw their rubbish in there. Uh, So just... A blight on the community, but the private landowner makes all the profit, and it really just shoved it in my face just how unjust this system is. That uh, not only does this uh, property owner pay less in the fire services levy because he, uh, because of the way it's it's set up under the fire services levy, it's based on the land, but. And the improvements. So the more decrepit your home is, the less you pay. And that's an unfair system. We'd rather it just be based on the land value itself. So we're all equals. So uh, uh, it's, you know, the location is what really determines uh, uh, your capacity to pay. If you live in a certain community, you know, when it comes down to it, you need to have a certain capacity to pay uh, to be in that community. And that's what uh, the local council rating system with the site value rating system on the land only, rather than this distortion we have where it's the capital improved valuation so that... uh, uh, I was surprised that uh, the property owners left um, that property lying uh, vacant for so long. Usually the trick is after a year or two, they just bowl the house over and uh, that $10,000 expenditure must have been too much for these poor strapped uh, property owners, so they didn't do it. The council couldn't pressure them to, and uh, you know, really, if they didn't have ten grand to bowl the house over, they should have uh, been forced to sell the property. That's what would happen under a site value rating system with a, with a higher percentage charge that could help um, reduce pressures to raise the GST. That's what we're saying. If we increase the site value rating, uh, 
we increased land taxes. Basically, there's more than enough money out of that $545 billion last year, even if that was stripped back to something more reasonable, such as $350 billion in less boom times then uh, I've done the calculations to show that we could easily double the pension. So uh, let's take away the incentives from property speculators and give them to uh, people who are doing good things for the environment, who are doing good productive things for society. That's what they need in Paris with the COP21 negotiations there because a uh, this whole system we're talking about really hits between the eyes, this commodification of the earth, and uh, starts to rebalance it back towards a more productive basis. So my name's Carl Fitzgerald. I look forward to seeing you this time next week at our 8th Speculative Vacancies Report release at 64 Harcourt Street, North Melbourne. Donation by entry. Check out earthsharing.org.au, prosper.org.au for more. Thanks for your assistance today. Hi, family. I'm Sergio from Che Sudaka, and I wanted to invite you to join Community Radio 3CR. Subscribe, please, because they need your help.